Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcasts globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Doug Hill, I'm the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within and uh, I'm now back in cold Melbourne. I mean, gee, what a bad time to come back. I think yesterday I was like one degree uh, where I live and today hasn't been too much better. So hopefully you're warm where you are and hasn't the, the uh, stock market over the past week or so been running hot and cold. And it's not surprising that I'm seeing a lot of um, a rationality in the marketplace and obviously um, you know one day the, the Dow's bullish and the next day it's bearish and um, it really is going to be a challenging period or the last couple of weeks has probably been a challenging period for investors because I'm sure a lot of retail investors you know see the Dow drop five six hundred points one two percent jump out of their stocks and then the next day the Dow goes up and they wondered why they got out in the first place so uh, again that's really why you need to look at the stocks themselves rather than the market as a whole. But today I wanted to do a podcast on some data that I got, or well, a blog post. There's a company called Ilion that's started sending me emails with data and um, blog posts. Now, I've never heard of them before, but evidently they're worldwide and they do lots of research. But they sent some data through that was released in collaboration with Alpha Beta um, that shows Australia's low-income earners or those earning less than $65,000 a year have carried the economy on their shoulders throughout the COVID-19 crisis. Now, they're talking about low-income earners in Australia, so um, and they deeming that as anybody earning less than $65,000 a year. Um, they go on to say, on the other hand, across both discretionary and essential spending, high-income earners have completely retreated um, it's interesting. So they're saying low-income earners, less than $65,000 a year, have, spent, have been spending uh, and that high-income earners have retreated altogether, basically. That's what they've said, have completely retreated. And low-income earners have shielded Australia from the worst economic hits. Now, it says when first um, supplement payments hit the bank account, so when some of the stimulus package hit the bank accounts, there was a sharp increase in discretionary spending at 10% above normal levels. And at the same time, discretionary spending dropped to minus 36% for high-income earners. So they said there was a 10% increase in discretionary spending, but for high-income earners, they they pulled their discretionary spending back 36%. Um, and they're, they're deeming high-income earners of those people earning $104,000 plus per year. So under 65 low-income earners, over, over 105 104 is a high income earner in their ballpark. Um, the other 39 
thousand people in that they're earning somewhere another thirty nine thousand dollars in that mid bracket. I'm not sure there may be their middle income earners, but they don't mention those people. I'm not um, talking about this as a positive or negative. I just wanted to talk a little bit about it. Um, but they're actually saying that uh, with the the stimulus package that the government's getting out, that what they're actually suggesting is that the lower income earners are spending it and the higher income earners are pulling back. Now, as a higher income earner myself, you know, I don't, a lot of the stimulus package, I've been spending money for our business. Um, for those of you who watch our YouTube channel, um, so just go to YouTube and type in Wealth Within TV, we spent um, a reasonable amount of money buying new equipment and everything else and trying to support people here. But it's interesting to see what people spend money on. Because it actually doesn't go, it's only very small blog posts. And um, they're saying, uh, or they go on to say, we continue to see a sustained retreat, um, a spending retreat by high income earners. And if you factor in that in with low income earners carrying the economy, it's a clear signal that once stimulus measures end, we're in for a big reveal. I doubt it. And this is where I sort of... I'm not taking exception to what they're saying. I'm just saying it's only a very, very small picture here. Um, they're saying low-income earners have continued their discretionary spending at 20% above 2000 and November 2019 baseline levels with high-income earners still tightening the spending at minus 15% on those baseline levels. But what is discretionary spending? And what do low-income earners spend their money on? And what do high-income earners spend their money on? So that's, to me, that's really, really the question. I know for myself is when uh, high-income earners, a lot of my friends are high-income earners and people I know, most of us don't spend money on takeaway. We just don't. You know, we prefer to eat at home or eat at restaurants. You know, we don't go to McDonald's. It's rare almost you'd almost never ever see me in a mcdonald's or a kentucky fried or a pizza hut or anything like that the lower income earners tend to and i don't want to stigmatize that or um, categorize people but statistics show that you know more lower income earners eat more takeaway type food so it's more discretionary spending so that's just one example but what are what are people spending their money on obviously we're seeing a lot of hoarding um, going on through COVID-19 with toilet paper and a whole range of other different things. So that's not necessarily discretionary spending, buying food and other products, but what do high-income earners spend their money on and how is this different than low-income earners? That's what I'm suggesting should be in the article to have a bit more balanced view. Yes, as a higher-income earner, I'm still spending money. I'm just not going out to restaurants because they've all been closed. So that's part of my discretionary spending. So that would be understandable why I'm pulling back. But then I'm buying other different products. As I said, for their business, I've spent more money on that side of it as personally because we're not able to get out and do as much as we do. But thing is, what, what more richer people, if that I can use that word, um, or high-income earners spend their money on, they spend things on them, uh, not necessarily all on themselves, that's etc. but they, when they've got more money, they've got more security. So they you know, tend to buy bigger houses. They tend to have a lot more things, you know, like gardeners and um, people to clean their pools, those sorts of things, per personal services, you know, cleaners, you know, we have a cleaner. So they're the sorts of things we spend some of our money on. Um, is that discretionary spending? Probably. Um, but we have vacations. Now we're not allowed to go on vacation. Now, as you know, for the last three weeks I've been on the road, um, I've been a driving thing, but it's been a work Partly work, 
uh, well, mainly work and a bit of holiday involved in that. So I went and saw staff and clients up and down the east coast the past three weeks. But we had a vacation booked um, prior to COVID-19 over in Europe and everything else. That got cancelled, everything. So our discretionary spending from a, a higher income earner, we couldn't spend on that. So th- that's where, and vacations tend to be higher dollar values so therefore you'd expect the percentages of those to be different um, between a lower income earner and a higher income earner so whereas a low income earner may um, again I don't want to be categorize people but let's say they eat out or eat takeaway less once a week than what they'd were before that will be slightly a lesser percentage than maybe what a 30 40 50 thousand dollar holiday for a high income earner would be um, and again it's just been general here I'm not doing specific to anybody here all I'm saying is is you can take these figures and look at them and go what is real and what's not real and what's relative and what's not relative will high income earners spend when the when the stimulus package ends yes they will you know any day people don't spend money because they're fearful and discretionary spending is always the first thing that you cut and people that generally have higher incomes generally are more educated they have more percentage of people higher income earners that generally would have a university degree they've got some of those bigger higher paying jobs doesn't make them smarter it just means that's where they are they're in different types of jobs uh they're to, to earn those incomes and so what they spend money on and how they do things is going to be a little bit different than those people on smaller incomes now i came from a single parent family raised up on a pension with no money so i understand the lower income set and what we spend money on and i know what we did we were very very careful with our discretionary spending in fact we had very little discretionary spending as i was growing up it was lucky for us to go out and you know get a soft drink or an ice cream and and some lollies that was just that was a big treat maybe once a week if we were lucky but what else do people who have more money do what do they do well they support their children so people that have a little bit more money and have a little bit more let's say disposable income um, spend a bit more on their children so they may have been supporting their children instead of putting it out in in restaurants and all the other discretionary spending maybe the higher income people were helping their children you know people that their children that may have been struggling with COVID-19 may have lost their jobs maybe not working as much maybe not having um, yeah, they're part-time jobs in restaurants and cafes and whatever else if they're at university. So maybe some of their money's been going into supporting their children. Um, but also education, you know, they're spending money on education. They spend, they, they educate their children, probably at private schools and or their grandchildren, etc. But again, you know, um, things like healthcare is another one, you know, that uh, wealthier people have healthcare, that sort of stuff. So, but there's a lot of different areas that, people with higher income levels spend money on that would be different to people on lower income levels that's really all i'm suggesting as i said you know i've got a lot of friends that um are in the higher income bracket but i've got just as many friends that are in the lower income bracket they're just beautiful people because that's where i came from i came from you know as i said a minute ago you know single parent household on a pension you know all through my early years so I, you know, that's the sort of stuff. I grew up in Geelong, which is at that start, time was was a low income type of area, broadly a low income area. So I understand what people spend money on. And as I said, a lot of my friends, they're not earning, you know, $100,000 a year. A lot of friends, uh, a lot of long term friends wouldn't earn 
$105,000 a year, they'd probably be earning closer to that $65,000 area. But again, given the circles I travel in, I also have a lot of friends that uh, are earning over 105000 But again, it's you can't just sectionalise it into that. Will the economy open up once the government's spending? Well, there's going to be an adjustment period. There really will be an adjustment period because... I can't see the government continuing on with the spending package. Now, we are looking at all the states opening up. Yes, Victoria's got um, a few more cases at the moment, but they are isolated. Yes, you know, they've gone up. I think, we, I think uh, this morning I saw there was like 76 new cases. So still not huge in the bigger scheme of things and still fairly low. Victoria's cases are still quite low compared to, you know, New South Wales, Queensland, those sorts of other places. And as long as it's managed well, it's not a big issue and I don't think it's going to slow down too much. That said, I think we're still going to be struggling with this COVID situation right through to the end of the year or pretty close where we're going to get little outbreaks and then settling down other outbreaks and settling down as they take a few days or a couple of weeks to control them. And uh, that's all we're doing now. And I think, you know, everybody can... um, how do I say, rubbish the government or individual state governments or the federal governments. But at the end of the day, I think broadly across Australia, we've done an amazing job. So has New Zealand. Um, I think our governments have done so much better than the US government in managing, controlling and supporting everybody. And I think we get this new norm and we're going to have to live with that. So regardless, discretionary spending is down and uh, we should not have to rely on government stimuluses to keep the economy going. And I think once people start to get back to work and start to feel comfortable about their jobs uh, and about security in their jobs, then they'll start spending again and I think the economy will go. And I think 2021 is going to be a very, very good year for our stock market. I think currently we're seeing volatility. I think we're going to continue to see this sort of volatility um, through the rest of this year. I think you know, we're not going to see a very bullish market for the rest of the year because there's still a lot of uncertainty. But it's not the time to panic. Now's the time to get yourself set up and what I mean by that is we see a lot of people they make rash decisions and we see that so much on the stock market and, you know there's a said earlier you know the Dow falls 700 percent so people jump out of stocks the Dow rises four or five hundred percent and they jump into stocks so we're seeing a lot of that and that's just pure speculation and you know, most people are going to get that wrong um, as the um, ASIC report that I talked about uh, about a month or two months ago I talked about the ASIC report on trading during COVID-19 or during March and we saw people getting on that's going to continue on and so those without the knowledge are going to struggle so the people right now is the time to just sit back take a deep breath and go well what do I need to know and what do I need to learn and how am I going to ensure my security and my ability to profit not just now but into the future how am I going to um, fund my lifestyle my retirement how am I if you know this happens again let's say in another year or two we get another COVID type situation how am I going to handle that so it's a really good time right now is to learn and understand what to do and protect yourself because you know job security is a thing of the past people that thought they had high job security have found out that they don't we're also finding that different areas are getting hit different rates some areas are are booming and other areas of the market are shrinking so we're going to get a changing of 
the whole paradigm of where we work, how we work. And we're seeing a lot of people not wanting to go back to work in an office full time. They're wanting to work from home. So businesses are having to shift. So there's going to be a lot of spending around that with businesses. There's going to be a lot of changes in personal services. Maybe people working at home are going to start getting people who are doing more things like the gardening, um, cleaning, all sorts of stuff to help them to work at home. I don't know. There's a lot of change happening. And I think that's going to continue on for the next one to two years, a whole big change and shift. But just to sectionalise it is that to, to saying that those on lower incomes are supporting the economy when those in the higher income aren't. I just think it's not a, a detailed enough argument and it's not robust enough because I know out there the last couple of months I've been spending more money both personally and with our business to help people you know i've been purposely going out to cafes and buying more takeaway coffees than i were before going out trying to get some takeaway lunches than i ever used to before just to help the local community because i do want to see that cafe survive and because i do want to be able to go down there on a weekend or someday when i want a coffee or when i have lunch or you know or go out for a drive somewhere those are the sorts of things that i want to do uh, and i'm quite happy to spend the money to support them and from a business point of view, there are other businesses that I need services from. I'm really happy, and I know some of the places that I have, or we have as services, I know when I've chatted to their management, they've had so many of their clients just chop them off at the knees, basically cancel their contracts or halve their contracts, and, and they're struggling, and that's from marketing, public relations, you name it, and yet we've not done any of that because these people are there to support us in good times, so we should be supporting them in bad times and it really is good give and take and, and supporting everybody as a community so to me um you know just be careful of some of the statistics we're actually seeing out there so i'm not disagreeing with these statistics i'm just saying i don't think the argument's robust enough so um i don't know that's enough for me waffling isn't it i think uh, sometimes i um, waffle a little bit too much but again when i see statistics like this I start to question some of it. It's a nice little article and some nice little statistics, but I think categorising and putting people into little boxes and assuming that's the answer is not really the full story. So, But um, if everybody works together, Australia's going to come through this beautifully. I think we're going to have a nice recovery into next year. We're well placed for that. I am seriously excited about 2021. Right now I'm still a bit 50-50 whether the market's going up or down. I'm planning for the worst meaning going down hoping for the best um but uh, as i said if you haven't seen our youtube channel go to youtube and just type in wealth within tv you'll see our market reports every monday in our live australian stock market show every tuesday 7 to 8 p.m you've been listening to talking wealth i'm dal gillam the chief analyst here at wealth within take care stay safe thanks for listening this podcast is brought to you by wealth within a global leader in stock market education For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.